Let's, let's go into our unshakable series. You know, last few weeks, uh, we talked about some heavy things. The idea of unshakable, we saw it with a, a flood, didn't we? With the flood that uh, washed away most of our town, most of the people in our church. We lost a, a good portion of our members. They lost their houses and businesses, and a lot of us that still remain had, had issues like our church. We lost half of our church building, got flooded. Now we have a beautiful uh, children's department. Uh, God has done some great things, but... We realize that through that time, when, when sometimes when things go wrong, uh, when that happened, I, we wondered, how, how are we going to stay alive as a church, right? Hey, there's my, uh, there's my notes. That's good. I was like, hey, that's a really fancy thing on the back there. All right. So, oh, no. Okay, so. So here we had, we have this uh, in the faith there are times when, when our, our faith can be rocked because life is hard. The storms of life hit, right? And when those storms hit, sometimes people fall apart. And then there are other people who don't. Those, there are some people who are able to withstand these storms when, when, when illness comes or when financial problems come or when relationship problems happen in your home, right? When illness hits or death comes to your family. And there are some people that fall apart under the weight of those things. There's others who stand strong, and their faith doesn't erode. And we ask, why? And Jesus told a great parable about that we're going to read today. It became really the foundation of this. How do we stand strong when things go wrong? That's really been the source of all this. The last couple of weeks, we've been hitting some pretty heavy things, haven't we? How do we, how do we survive when, when difficult things happen? Today, we're going to have a much more fun message. How do we live with unshakable faith? Not just how do we survive the bad things, but how do we live in such a way that we're never afraid of the storm? How do we live in such a way that you can build your life on a better foundation so that when the storms come, and even when they're not there, you are growing and solid and strong? Because our world definitely needs those that are not going to be washed away. Now, uh, at the end of this, uh, of this message, I'm going to give you a heads up. I'm going to give you an opportunity. Uh, if you've been knowing that you need to begin building your life on a better foundation... Right? We've been going through this whole series. We've been, uh, we've been talking about building your life on a better foundation. Maybe the Holy Spirit's been working in you. And all this time you say, you know what? I need to, <laughs> I'm building my life on sand. And I need to begin transition. I need to, to build my life in Christ. We're going to give you an opportunity. If you've not placed your faith in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've not, uh, if you've not gone through some minutes of the waters of baptism, you have not joined a church, I'm just going to give you a heads up. There's going to be an opportunity for you. I don't do this every single week, but, but I want you to, have, to know there's going to be an opportunity. If God's working in your heart, and then second service, the reason I'm telling you this early is because second service, we're going to have a baptism. And there's a gal that's part of our church, Bill, uh, Jill Spencer, who's going to be baptized after second service. So uh, if you need to be baptized, if it's some step of faith that you need to take, there's going to be an opportunity for you today. And I'm going to and just warn you about that. This gives you an opportunity to go home, get your swimsuit, all that kind of stuff, call your friends, right? And come back. But uh, building our life on an unshakable faith, standing in Christ, we have to take that step towards Jesus. And so it would be silly for us to, to really kind of conclude this series without giving you an opportunity. And so we're going to be doing that today. Now, life does have storms. It's okay. Some are big. Some are small. But they do come. The reality is, is that most of us right now are facing a storm. Right? We, we don't live, most of us, in the desert. Most of us live in the rainstorm or the rainforest. You ever notice that in life? Like you just get past one big thing and then something else kind of happens. And then enough something else. 
It doesn't matter what you're going through. God is bigger than those things. That was Jesus' promise, right? He has overcome the world. But the reality is that most of us, when we're in the middle of the storm, we forget that or we can, we can lose track of those things. We've gone through this series so far, and we've given a couple of very specific, very general storms that a lot of people go through. But I want you to hear this. If you are going through something difficult, God is not far from you, and his power is not unable to help you. The issue is not what the storm is. The issue is where is your foundation. And that's what I want you to hear today. I'm going to talk about where, how do we anchor ourselves on the right foundation. In Matthew 7.24, which is our memory verse today, which we're going to memorize, is also the key verse for this entire series. And it's when Jesus was talking, he gave, his, he gave the people a whole new way to live, right? He just spent... For us, a couple of chapters, for him, a few minutes, right? He was talking to his disciples, he was talking to the people and said, this is the kingdom life, this is a new way to live. And at the end of this, he, he, he tells a parable and he says there are two different people. There was a wise builder and a foolish builder. And the wise builder is the kind of guy who goes and he builds his house on a rock, which is like Christ's teaching. And when the rains come and the storms come and everything, the house stands. But the foolish builder is the one who builds his house on sand. And when the rains come and the winds come and the, and the creek rises, all of a sudden the house collapses. And then Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who built his house on the rock. And there's a couple words I want you to take out that card. And there's a couple words I want you to really pay attention to. And the first one on that card, if you look at it, it says, Everyone. Therefore, everyone. You could circle that if you want to because everyone includes you. Jesus doesn't say this would work for some people. Building your life on his teachings and word is building your life on a rock. If you want a stable life, it's not a, it's not a gamble. Everyone. But there's something else. There's a phrase there and puts them into practice. If you can underline that, puts them into practice. Because you can come to church every Sunday and you could still build your life on sand. We can have the best blueprint in the world, and we can still build a lousy shack. You've got to put it into practice. We talked today about how to put it into practice. Now, before we do a little recap of what we talked about thus far, and I want you to know, since Easter we started this series, God's been doing some great things. Do you know that we've had 32 first-time guests walk into our doors since Easter? Those are you guys inviting your friends and your family. You know over half of them have come back a second time. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. You know, beyond that, we've had uh, 20 new folks join our life groups. Connecting in discipleship, 20 new members of, of our church going into life groups, that is awesome. We've actually had a whole new life group start as part of this. That's fantastic. The kingdom of God is advancing. Beyond that, we've had 11 new people place their membership in our church since we started the series. Isn't that awesome? The church is growing. And not only that, we've had eight people baptized since Easter. That's more than one a week. God is doing something awesome. And you know, we were growing and all this kind of stuff, and I was being concerned about it. I said, Lord, we don't have enough parking. I said, well, God, what are we going to do? And the God, he answered, because he's got a good sense of humor, in this month, we've had over 50 of our people move out of town. <laughs> so we're sending out missionaries, and God has given us seats. Which is kind of him. But if he's given us space, let's not waste that opportunity. He's creating space for new disciples, which means we need new disciple makers, and that's you. So as he continues to build the church, 
Be praying and thinking about, God, who is it that I'm going to help grow in the faith? And don't be surprised if you get a phone call and say, hey, here's somebody. And be ready, because God is building his kingdom here. Now, the first thing we talked about in building a life of uh, unshakable faith is how do we handle failure? Failure is something that trips us up, right? And we realize in Scripture that when we build our life on Christ and his teaching, that God helps us fail forward. Right, He uses our failures to teach us so we can move ahead, not so we can move back. Think about so many people, our life, our testimonies, how we lived life a certain way, we made a mistake, found God's grace, and then we don't continue to make that mistake. We grow from it, but we learn from it. And oftentimes, those failures give us things that are helpful in ministry, such things like compassion, because there's nothing like failure that brings a little bit of humility and allows us to say, you know what, I failed, maybe I don't need to be so cruel to that other person that has also failed. God uses our failures and he builds the kingdom through them. Great example that we have there, the apostle Peter. And he was a man filled with pride and then he fails. And then God teaches him that humility through that failure. And because of that, God uses him as an enormous, uh, powerful, uh, well, really an anchor for the church, doesn't he, as the church begins to grow. If you failed, you're not the only one, but God will help you through it. We discovered that. We also realize that when we fail, when we fall flat on our face and we're just upset, that God oftentimes just says, get up. We're not to continue wallowing in failure. Yes, it happens, but we have a God that picks us up and says, get back out there. He's not the kind of God that just buries us in shame, but instead he picks us up with grace and forgiveness and says, get back out there and let's serve people. Let's do something awesome. Don't give up. Lastly, we realize with that is that God gives us purpose and power to our failures. If you fail and you hand it over to Christ, all of a sudden now you have a tool for ministry because God will be strong in your weakness. That's the promise, isn't it? We don't have to fear failure, right? What we need to do is follow Christ. The second thing that we have figured out is death. Death is a huge one, isn't it? Anything about death has derailed so many people's faith. You know, when somebody dies in their family, they've been praying for them, and all of a sudden it hits, and the grief of that is heavy. Well, I'll tell you this. We, we discovered when we went through God's word there that, that Christianity isn't just the best way to live. It is the best way to die too, isn't it? Because when you are in Christ, you really don't die. You just transition to a much better home from a tent to a house. How awesome is that? But even better, we recognize that as those of us in Christ, that we're never alone. That the Holy Spirit is in us and with us and says he will never, ever abandon us. And that even means death. That we walk through the valley, the shadow of death. Guess who's with us? That when we cross that veil, we don't have to be afraid because God himself is there with us, walking us through. But also, as we heal from death, as we grieve from it as Christians, we know that there is purpose in this. That God is the kind of God who overcomes the world and gives us power to realize in a hope that's more than just this world, more than just these falling apart tents of bodies. You see, we realize that in his word that there are times that we just, maybe we can't trace God's hand. We don't know exactly what he's doing, but God is good, so we can always trust his heart. And knowing who he is and knowing the power of Christ and that he overcame death give us a hope and a, and a rock-solid assurance allow us to, to withstand death. doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. It means it's not going to destroy us. Yes. Also, debt, Talk to, or doubt, <laughs> debt too. Actually, there's a, there's a chapter in that book on debt, because that one will rock your faith too, but we didn't talk about that. We talked about doubt. 
We talked about how faith is easy when you're on a mountaintop, right? When you're meeting with God and God is good, that's easy. But that doubt is really hard not to have when you're in the valley. When things are going wrong, when you wonder where God is, when it seems silent, when your life seems dark, it's, it's really hard not to have doubt in that time. But we realize, though, looking in the Word, that doubt is really a choice. It's a, it's a why in the road. It can either take us closer to God or it can take us further away from Him. It's an opportunity to grow or it's an opportunity to die. See, that doubt is, is not a sin. Unbelief is a sin. And belief is choosing to have faith even in spite of my doubts. Every time that we have doubt come into our life, it is an opportunity for us to choose God until he proves himself. And he does. And he always does. So we realize that in doubt, we need to turn to God, always. And that we realize that real faith develops when we experience Christ in a real way. How can you ever experience faith, Christ in your life, if you never walk in faith? If you never have an opportunity to say, God, I don't, I'm going to trust your word. I, I, I'm wondering there, but I'm going to trust it, but I'm going to take the step of faith and let him catch you there. But when you walk in faith, you will experience God in your life. You will have what is called a testimony. That's first-hand witness of God in your life. You'll see him do things in your life that you couldn't have done yourself. The way that we overcome doubt is by sticking with Christ. And we saw illness. Illness is a huge one. Which of us here doesn't face illness? <laughs> But it's something that can challenge us. It's a very long, slow, withering kind of storm. And we realize in the word that God can heal anyone, anywhere, from anything. He can. But you also realize that God may or may not heal in the moment. Sometimes he heals people right away. Sometimes he waits for a while. And sometimes God says, no, I'm not going to heal you from this. But in all those things, we recognize that God is good and he's going to use illness if you are in the kingdom. He will use it for your good, the good of his kingdom, and he will redeem the suffering. What a powerful thing. If we're going to suffer, at least God can use it for something powerful. And then know this, that he's going to redeem your body. You get a brand new one, a much better one, something to look forward to. The reality of, of Christ's death and resurrection, I think, is the biggest thing for all of these that give us hope. When we talk about building a life on a, a solid foundation, realize that the reality of Christ's death and resurrection Jesus' death, when Jesus died, it was proof of God's love for, for you, wasn't it? And when Jesus died, it was God saying, I'm doing something for you that really he didn't need to do for himself. It was God Almighty making himself vulnerable on your behalf so that you could have hope to give you what you needed. He was choosing your good above his own, which is love. Isn't it amazing that God doesn't just say he loves you, but he proved it in a very tangible, real way? Then we say that we, have, we can build our life on unshakable faith, whether it doesn't matter what storm we face, we know that God loves you, and he does. He loves you dearly, and it was proven in Christ more than anything else. But it wasn't just Jesus' death that proved his love. It was also his resurrection that proved God's power. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you'd have to wonder if he had the power to rise you from the dead. But we don't have to wonder, because Jesus overcame death. He beat the kingdom of darkness in the most unexpected of ways. In his weakness, enemy can't even beat him. And that lets us know that we can trust God. If he loves you that much, and he has that much power, he has his compassion and his power are available to you now today. Isn't that wonderful? Which is why our world may be difficult, but we don't have to be shaken by it. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn them up to uh, Matthew chapter 7. 
This is going to be our, our place. You already have the background. We talked about it. We did the memory verse. Okay. And I'm going to read for you, starting in 24. That's on that second column near the bottom here. Verse 24. And Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. When, the, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teachings, because he taught with one who had authority, and not as the teachers of the law. Now, that's a powerful passage, right? And I think to get context to it, you really need to read everything that comes up to it. What did Jesus just teach? What are we supposed to apply? What is the ways of God, right? But here we have Jesus teaching us a way that we can have a secure life. And today we're going to talk about five keys to living a life with unshakable faith. And so the first one is that we need to recognize this, is that we shouldn't be surprised by life storms. You notice that it says in here, when, not if it rains, but when. Jesus is not foolish. He knows the way that life works. And it's going to rain. I can even predict this. Someday it's going to rain right here. 100% chance. And in your life, there's a 100% chance there's going to be some difficulty. This is a broken world. It doesn't surprise us. But oftentimes, we act surprised because we believe this lie. Somehow, along the way, we thought that once we became a Christian, that all of a sudden, God was going to make everything easy for us because he's our heavenly father. And what father wants his kids to suffer? Right? I think that's where we get it from. And we believe somehow we are entitled to a life of ease and peace. But this is not the promise that we received in Scripture. It will rain. It will. This world is under the control of fallen people and fallen angels. Have you ever noticed that? That the enemy is called the prince of this world. There's some authority that the enemy has and he messes with us. And there's also some people that are pretty messed up that have a lot of control. Bad stuff is going to happen. John uh, 16.33 Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I love the fact that he tells you first, I'm going to give you peace. How? Because you know that this world's going to be messed up. What? That's no peace. No, I've overcome the world. That's where the peace is in. See, our peace as Christians can't be from our circumstances. That's the peace of this world. And people in this world do all kinds of crazy, stupid things to try to produce some type of security for themselves by manipulating this world, which is too big and too powerful for them to really have any real control over. And so when their lives fall apart, they have no power, and what happens? They're filled with anxiety and frustration, and they make bad decisions. But I'll tell you, Christian, we have a, we have a superpower. We can have peace even in spite of our circumstances. And it starts with knowing that God is loving and he is powerful and he has purpose in our lives and he hasn't abandoned us. We're building our life on his teaching. I think that we recognize even in this, Jesus says, your peace is not going to be in this world. In this world you're going to have trouble. But take heart, why? He has overcome the world. Let your peace be in Christ's power. Know who he is, that he is good and he loves you. Remember that. It gives you peace. The second way that we can have an unshakable faith is turn immediately to God. When things, bad things happen, turn to God. Don't turn away. 
How many times do, do we blame God for the work of the devil? Isn't it silly when something bad happens, the first thing we do is like, oh, why is God doing this to me? Maybe it's the enemy. Maybe it's just a nasty person. Maybe it just wasn't your day. But I'll tell you this, that it, God is a God who loves you and he has purpose in it. If he's going to allow you to suffer something and you're in his kingdom, he's going to use it. So let him use it. Turn to him. Turn to him. If we're not with Christ, think about this. If you are not with Christ, you're going to try to, to live this life, this world, on your own. How are you going to overcome this world? Are you bigger than this world? Are you bigger than the problems and the pain? Are you even bigger than nature? But I'll tell you this. Jesus can stop the storm with, the, with his hand. He could say, be silent, and he can stop a storm. He can shut down an entire legion, which is an army of demons, just by saying, hey, get out of that guy. He's not afraid of him. Didn't have to, didn't have to like, work. He's a kind of God who can raise people from the dead. He has overcome the world, and he did bigger things. He overcame your sin and your death. That's why Jesus said, he's the vine of the branches. You're not going to do anything apart from him. But with him, well, there's some power, isn't there? So turn to God. This is a really hard one for us because you have to apply it. Because in your life, when bad things happen, what do we do as humans? We isolate, don't we? And that's the last thing that we need to do. We need to turn to God in our pain, in our weakness, when bad things happen and say, God, I don't understand what is happening, but I, 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 just, I just need to cling to you, right? I need you to work in my life. I need you to help me through this time. Turn to him. James 4, 8, it's a great promise for you. It says, come near to God and he will come near to you. Then it is the command, he gives us a challenge. He says, then purify your hearts, you double-minded people. Here's this crazy thing. You're not going to make it through this world. Don't be double-minded. Don't think that I'm going to do this. I'm going to only have God in my life when I just need him. He's my crutch. No, come to God as Lord. He's going to come near you. He will help you. But we have to be in. So don't, don't get to the end of your rope before you call out on Christ. Right? Don't get to the end of your rope before you say, God, I need, I need your help. That's silly. Why do we extend our suffering so often that we do bad things, we, we sin, and then we try to fix our sins with greater sin? I think a great example of this was when I was in high school, and I cheated on a test that I shouldn't have, but I did. And so here was this test, and it was in this class that, uh, uh, that I, I didn't particularly enjoy, and it was uh, trigonometry, and uh, it was, uh, and I had, had issues in that class. <laughs> and I was writing down my answer, and there's this guy next to me named Kevin, who was a genius. His parents are both rocket scientists. I kid you not. They, and I look over, and he got a different answer than me. And I had this moment of, oh, I shouldn't do this. But then I had also said, no, nah, I'm going to do this. <laughs> and I wrote down my answer, but I didn't change my work, because I didn't know how he got that answer. <laughs> right? So sin. Then, of course, the teacher grades the paper, sees I got the answer right, but then goes for the work. And then I get in trouble. How did you get this answer? He says, and I tried to lie. And you know me, I can't lie. That's why every time I play poker, I'm the first out. I, I don't have a poker face, right? That's just the way that it is. So I tried to lie and say, I make it worse. I try to get out of a sin by sinning more. And by doing that, I dug myself into a much deeper hole. 
I'm not the only one. We do this, don't we? We sin, we get into a bad relationship, we make bad decisions, and then we think, oh, now I'm here, and there, bad things are happening. What's the way out? Do I turn back to God? Do I repent? No! I'm going to sin more <laughs> and try to get it out, you know, get out of this myself. What foolishness. If we're broken, if we're hurting, turn to God. If the storm is coming, turn to God. Don't extend your pain. Turn to him immediately. And the way that we can do this, I think that one of the things I've seen in people's lives is they ask a question that is very destructive in the moment. And the question is this, why? Why, God, are you doing this? Why am I having to suffer this way? Sometimes I don't think we get the why. That's okay. But I think in that, the why question is one that oftentimes just can't be answered. And even if it could be answered, I don't think we would like the answer. Even if we had it, it wouldn't make the pain any less, would it? Because knowing why doesn't give us anything to do. It just gets us to sit there and just like, I guess I understand why it hurts. No, no. When you are suffering, when the pain of life comes, choose not to ask why. Choose to ask what. Well, what do you want me to do? How do you want me to respond now? What is it that you have for me? What is the next step i got to make through this? Because I'm going to walk through this valley with you, God. What do I do next? Because God promised us, if we come near him, he comes near us, and he will walk through this valley with us. So the question is, is what? God, what today? What do you have for me to do in the midst of this? I think what this does is it turns us from victims to agents, doesn't it? And I would rather be an agent. You think of like 007, bad things happen to his life, right? You ever seen those movies? Like he gets an impossible task, right? And he goes out to do the impossible task and then impossibly bad things happen to him. And you never see James Bond going up, why? Why are you going to try to saw me in half with a laser? That's mean, right? Never. What he's thinking is, what's the next thing I got to do? How do I get past this? That's the question. Be an agent. Of God in your life. Ask him. You have all the power of God with you to make it through any storm. What is it, God, you have for me next? And you will find that you walk through these things in a quicker way. Now, Philippians tells us this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. That's even bad ones, by the way. By prayer petition and with thanksgiving, present your request to God. There's some power in there. And what will happen if we do this? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, I've told you guys a story about how that came into my life, how that became real. And if you haven't heard it, then go listen to some of our messages on funchurch.com. You'll hear it eventually, right? But I'll tell you this, it's true. It doesn't happen immediately, but as you turn to God, as you begin inviting him into your difficulties, what will happen is God will give you a peace that transcends understanding, which means that it won't make sense. You will be in the middle of the storm, the same storm that caused you anxiety in the past, and all of a sudden you won't be filled with anxiety. And you'll be able to think clearly, and you'll be able to take proper steps. You'll know what to do next because you're not going to be so overwhelmed by everything blowing apart around you. God will give you a peace, and then he carries you through the storm. And the power of that is this. He doesn't always just silence the storm. It's because he needs us to know he's bigger than the storm. He needs to elevate our conscience and our hearts in such a way that we are no longer afraid of just the circumstances of life because we are safe within his care. But you have to turn to him in the midst of the storm immediately. Third thing we need to do is embrace the emotions. Now, as a man, this is hard, right? Because we're like, I don't, I don't want to fall apart. This is not what I'm talking about. They recognize when you go through a difficult thing, 
it's going to be emotionally difficult. It is. And we have to do something with those emotions, all of us, right? Otherwise, we, we stuff them down and eventually start squirting out weird places in our life. And we don't want that. So God is bigger than your heart. Isn't that a great thing? So we bring our emotions to God. And there's a thing that Ecclesiastes says this. I love this. It says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. And then he illustrates that for us. We're like, you know, a time to go to the grocery store. Yes, that too. But also a time to weep and a time to laugh and a time to mourn and a time to dance. God is an emotive God. And he made us in his image. And emotions are real. And when bad things happen, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be scared. You have to deal with those things, don't we? Now, when we go to God with these things and we, and we express them in our prayers and how we go to God, we talk to him. Here's the amazing thing. Is he can take our anger and he can turn it into, into righteous action. You ever notice that? If, is, have you ever something happened in your life, you saw an injustice and it made you just mad? Two choices. You could just go off and just lose control and, and lose your, your, your cool and then, you know, assault somebody. Or you can allow that strong anger to drive you into a right action. God can do that. He can take your fear and he can turn it into courage. Because courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the resolve to do what is right despite fear. And God can do that because you know you're with him. And he can allow you to not be a slave to fear. And so you don't live by terror anymore. You know what God can do? He could take your sadness and he can turn it to hope. I think of the times in life when things have been the worst and I've been the most depressed and all this kind of stuff and God reminds me that this world isn't all there is anyway. In fact, it never has been. Scripture says it's a vapor. It's just a passing time. And we're part of a, a real kingdom that really lasts forever. And he gives us a better kind of hope which leads us out of that mire of depression that a lot of people get stuck in. And you know what God can do is he could take your grief and he can transform it as he heals your heart and lead it to acceptance. Say this world is bad, but he's overcome it and I'm going to trust him in this and, and that God is doing something redemptive. It keeps us from, from being stuck in despair. We have to not be afraid of the emotion. We have to say, God, I'm going to take these things to you. And allow God to work in it and go to him in his word and say, I know who you are. What is it that you have for me? And allow him to, to bring that healing. He's an amazing God. We also also have to do this, is to lean on the faith of others. Sometimes with those emotions and things like that, you can't just handle them by yourself. God has gifted the church with amazing counselors. You ever notice that? Not alone. But also, he's gifted the church with the people that just walk along beside you, friends in faith who know you and care about you. This world is too big and too bad for any of us, but not too big and too bad for Jesus to overcome. So don't do it on your own. He called us together as the church. You as an individual are not the church, but together we are the church, and you need the church. We do life together. That's how we were designed. Now, in Scripture, God says that you are part of the church, just like an organ is a part of your body. Think about your organs, where any one of your organs designed to just go it alone. How foolish and silly that would be. I mean, even your brain needs other things to connect to, otherwise it just sits there and thinks and does nothing of value. Right? All of us are interconnected, and we need you, and you need us. And together, we are able to do amazing things. And we're able to withstand stuff that we would never be able to withstand by our own. And so God gave us a church. 
In Galatians 6, 2, it says, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful passage. That God didn't say, hey, just tough up. I'm God, I'm good enough, just bear it on your own. Right? Just give it to me and then be on your own, you'll be fine. It's not how it works. He gave you the church, he works through his body and his bride. And he tells us, how do we fulfill his law? Which is his law? Love one another. That's the law of Christ. And he says, this is how we do it. We actually put it to practice. Loving one another is more than just giving each other a handshake or a hug on Sunday morning. It's doing things for each other. It's caring for one another, especially when somebody's broken, which is awkward. You ever been around somebody who's been sad? It's awkward, isn't it? But God says, brave the awkwardness. Go along beside them. Sit there while they cry or while they're sad and and help them. Sometimes it's making them a meal. Sometimes it's doing a load of laundry for them. Sometimes it's saying, hey, I'm here with you. I'm praying for you. Sometimes it's just giving them that hug and just letting them know you're not alone. But lean on the faith of others. That's, that's why we have life group, by the way. You know why we, we're making such a big push for life groups, why it's so important. You need other believers in your life who just know you. At life groups, are we going and just doing a doctrinal study, of, a doctor level study of the scripture? No. No, we're building relationships with one another so we can handle life together. And in those Christian-based relationships, you're going to grow deeper in faith and faithfulness. But that's, we're learning how to experience life. We lean, we lean on the faith of others. And I'm, by the way, if you're not in a life group, I encourage you to, to get into that. So today, if you want to be part of one, write LG on your connection card. Kelly and Mary and Stallworth, who are helping that wonderful ministry, will help you get connected. Fifth thing that we want to do is this. Allow my faith to witness to others. It's, I, I love this one, and I see in Scripture, it says, you know, that we're to be wise and, and that uh, we're supposed to build our life on, on this rock, this foundation. Do you know what happens when a storm comes and all the other houses get knocked down, but one doesn't? What do you think everybody's thinking about? They're, they're looking at the house that didn't knock down and saying, why? And they're not always looking at the house. What are they looking at? The foundation. <laughs> I'll tell you, in your life, when storms come, they're an opportunity, not just for you to stand strong, they're an opportunity for witness. People in this world are be far more moved by how you weather difficulties than you, how you handle success, right? When life is easy, it's easy for all of us to look good. But when you don't fall apart when difficult things happen, they're not just going to be looking at you, they're going to be looking at your foundation, It's an opportunity to say Jesus is real and his teachings actually make a difference and following him is of real value. So use that. If they're mistaken and they look over at you at the house that hasn't fallen, say you need to look down there. You need to see what I'm building my life on. That's why I didn't fall apart. Use it. See, unshakable faith benefits other people. God called us out of selfish living, didn't he? That's the whole thing. Love is selfless in its very core and its nature. And most people can't stand strong when life things go wrong because they're not bigger than this world. And that's why Jesus said the person that doesn't build their life on his teaching, their life will fall apart. Not if, will. And most people aren't building their life on his teaching. And when the storms of life inevitably come, a lot of people do fall apart. And then they rebuild their life again and it falls apart again. How discouraging. You have been given the answer. You've been given the secret how to have a different kind of life. Don't just keep it to yourself. When difficulties come, endure them well with Christ, turn to him, grow in him, all those types of things. And use that as a way, as a tool, so when 
You see your neighbor hurt or your friend hurt or your family member hurt and going through difficult times. You can't just, don't just give them empty words of encouragement. You can point them to the Savior who can really make a difference in their life. When everything falls apart, shows them that they can build their life on a better foundation. Use it. See, unshakable faith is a foundation issue. And we have to remember that Christ really did overcome the world. Look what it says here in, in Matthew seven twenty four again, which is an amazing thing. <clears throat> if it comes up eventually. No, it doesn't. All right, Matthew seven twenty four. you got the connection card. Here's the thing. For everyone, everyone who builds their life on this, that's the answer. Right? You can have unshakable faith in your life. It's not an if. It's just a choice. Are you going to build your life on Christ or not? Building your life in Christ is more than just knowing the truth. Come here on Sunday. You're going to hear truth. Go into a Bible study. You're going to see truth. But you have got to build your life on truth. You've got to make a decision to actually do it, put into practice those things. And here's the thing. You're not going to build the house in one day. No one does that. If you're at a foundational level, you're at a level you're just beginning, start working on the foundation. Don't worry about the roof yet. Don't worry about being the perfect Christian. This, this week, take one step closer in faithfulness. One step closer in faithfulness. That's all we need to do. So let's talk about the five keys we talked about today. Don't be surprised when life goes wrong. Turn to God when it happens. What do we do after that? Embrace the emotion. Realize that it's there. Deal with it with God. Bring it to Him. Then lean on the faith of others. And then use your faith as a testimony, as a witness to other people. That's how we build our life, how we begin to live our life with unshakable faith. So what are some next steps that we have? Now, I told you at the beginning of the service that I will give you an opportunity. If you've been with us, you've been part of this, and you said, you know what, I've been, I've been toying with the idea of building my life in Christ. I've been here, I'm interested, all that kind of stuff, but I've not been, I, I've not been building my life on God's word. Here's an opportunity for you. If you need to choose to actually follow Jesus, maybe you're already a believer in Christ. You've accepted him as Lord and Savior, but you say, you know what? I need to, to change the way that I'm living. I need to say that I'm, I'm done building my life outside of his power, outside his word. I want to, to grow more in him. All right, this is what I want for you to do. The very first thing is on your connection card. I want you to, to write down on here, on this back side here, that you say that I'm, I'm following Jesus. Let me know that right here. That's the first thing that I want you to do because I want you to write it out because there's something permanent. When you, when you express that, that's, that's express faith. That's an important thing. All right, that's going to be a, a really big thing. If you're already a follower in Jesus, you've already done that, then I'd like you to have that, but I'd also like you to make sure that I have contact information with you because the thing is, is that making a decision to, to build your life in Christ is not just a one-time event, Right? You're going to need us to be able to church to help walk along beside you. So make sure that I have your contact information. And we'll contact you this week. And I'll meet with you and figure out, give you a plan to how do you take some next steps in faith. How do we help you grow in Christ? And that's an individual thing. And that's not going to happen just in a, in a, in a, you know, five minutes. But you might be here this morning and you've never made the step to actually even build your life in Christ. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And you can say here, you know, you've, think back in your life, you're coming to church, but you've never made that decision. And if, if you need to make that decision, if you say, you know, I, I need to follow Jesus as my Lord and Savior, okay, what we're going to do is in, um, after all of this, we're going to pray and we're going to pass the baskets and I'm going to go to the back. 
I'm going to be right back there. Um, and if you need to make that decision, I want you to come and talk with me. All right? And we will help you take those steps. And then after the, the second service, we're going to have a baptism. And we're going to have an opportunity for you to, to, to be baptized, to, to express your faith in Christ. Now, a third thing is, if you've been a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're not, but you just look in your life and you say, I've never been baptized, never taken that step of faith. Jesus tells us to do it. This is another opportunity to build your life in Christ. We're going to be having a baptism after second service. This is what I want you to do. Is I want you to be able to, to, to uh, on your card, write baptism so we know that you have it. And then I'll be in the back. And if I'm busy with somebody, then talk with uh, Carissa or Zach after the service. Say, I'm going to be back here after second service, and I'm going to need to be baptized. And we'll create a space for you. But let us know. That will be an awesome thing. Does that make sense? The three things. One, you need to rededicate your life. Say, I'm going I'm to live for Jesus. Right? Give me your contact information. Or meet with me in the back if you need to accept Christ as your Savior. And we'll help you. Or if you need to be baptized, then just let us know. Let Krista know. Let me know. And we will make sure that we have a space for you on our service after second service. For the rest of you, there are some things that you may need to do. The first one is this. If you already made those commitments and you're ready to build your life in Christ, look on the back of your connection card. There's some things you can do. The first one here is to memorize Matthew 7.24. You need to realize we need to be building our life in Christ. Say, this week, I'm going I'm to really just set that into my heart. Or for you, maybe you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read the book of Hebrews. Talk about a book about how do we live and build our life in Christ, that he is better than all things, superior. The life in Christ is superior. Let's see why. Or how about this? Maybe you want to do is send a note or a call of encouragement to somebody. That's bearing one another's burdens. Maybe there's somebody that you know in the church that needs that call of encouragement. And you say, this week, you are going to do that. And if you don't have an address, call us. I bet we might. Or how about this? Maybe what you can do is join the prayer team. Because we talked about several times today how we're not going to build a kingdom on our own. This is not about us. This is about Christ's kingdom. And if we're not connected with God and we're not connected with Christ, we are not going to grow. And, we're, and then if we did, we wouldn't be growing in the way we want to. We want to build his kingdom, not ours. Prayer is essential. And we are building our prayer team, and we have several very dedicated members. And if you want to be part of that, that means every week as people put down prayer requests and they say share that with the prayer team, you will get one. You're also going to start getting strategic prayers that we'll be praying for in this church and our community, how we can be advancing God's kingdom. If you are willing to commit to, and, I'm, and this is a commitment, to say I will do this every week. Be praying for the church. Be praying for the needs of the church. You want to be part of that. And it's a powerful move that God, that uh, it's a powerful ministry. Mark that down. Make sure that we have your email on there because that's how that you're going to get the information on there. And then later on the service here, just in a few minutes, we're going to take our offering. As we take our offering, take this connection card along with your tithes and your gifts. And if there's any prayer requests, make sure you write those down too. Put them in the basket and, uh, and uh, we'll see what God does. All right. So with all those great instructions, let's pray for our offering. Let's pray for our commitments. And uh, we'll let Zach and the worship band come and, and to lead us out with some praise. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for giving us a solid rock to build our life on. How cool. That you didn't give us just guesswork and you didn't just abandon us in this world, although you could have. And it would have been more than enough just to save us. But you didn't just save us. You called us family and you dwell with us and you lead us and guide us in truth and then you taught us truth so that we wouldn't have to wander around like those that are blind in this world wondering why we always stumble and you give us a new and a better way to live Father God I pray that this would be a church filled with wise people give us the courage and the good sense 
and the faith enough to build our lives on your teachings. Father, we've made commitments today. For all of us that have made commitments, help us to keep them this week. Build your faith in us and through us as we do that. Father, for those that are here that need to make a special commitment to to rededicate themselves to to you, to to discipleship, to, to growing in you, Father, I pray against the enemy and would tell them that they can't do this. It's not about worth, Father. It's about that you are worthy and that you are powerful and that everyone who builds their life on your teaching can have an unshakable faith. So, Father, encourage them in this. Help us as a church to, to help those members grow. And, Father, for those that might be here today that have never made that step of faith, draw them through your Holy Spirit, God. Lord, create a space for them in your kingdom. Lord, give them the courage to accept you. Now, Father, for those that need to take that step of faith and baptism today, Lord, then, Lord, I pray that it wouldn't just be an act that they do, but as all the promises of the word that says at that moment, Lord, that we can, as, as, a, as a post, as a marking, as an outward expression of inward saving faith, God, or that you would work in them. God, that you would help them grow in faith in this church and may their expression build faith through this church. But Father, for all of us, all of us, let us be dedicated to you wholly. Father, let us be dedicated to you truly. And Father, I pray that you would build your kingdom in our hearts as you build your kingdom through our hands. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen.